Hey everybody, welcome to PT Stacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host, and if you're tuning in for the very first time, basically what you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow slash learn your fundamentals, but also let's do it quickly, aka bite-sized segments of time. So before I get into this episode, I want to tell a little bit of a story. Um, Mainly, I'm just kind of making fun of myself. Um, If you don't know me, I grew up playing soccer and... I think that might have been the last time I sprinted at top speed, but I decided to play ultimate frisbee for the first time and it was super fun. And about an hour in, um, we're sprinting around like crazy or I was, cause I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just be the distraction. And I felt this intense pain in the back of one of my heels And so naturally I kept playing for another hour or two. And by the end of the time that we were playing, I, I could not move. It was so painful. Then moving on forward from that, uh, I couldn't walk. I couldn't even step through when I was walking. And after that started having really intense morning pain, I couldn't even like put my foot down. It would take me a while to be able to actually like, bring my ankle to neutral. Really, really stupid, right? So I gave myself Achilles tendonitis playing a pickup game of Ultimate Frisbee, and it took me forever to rehab myself from this. Essentially, what are we talking about when we're talking uh, Achilles tendinopathy? Well, for one, we're talking about the Achilles tendon. And before we go dive into this, I want to take a step back and talk about tendinopathies in general. Because in our research, we don't really have the best understanding of how this all works. We can't really define it well, but like the, our best try is basically that a tendinopathy is degeneration or failed healing because of continuous overload without the appropriate recovery. Granted, that's not the end-all be-all definition. Um, and so you're looking at things in the tendon like localized or diffuse increases in thickness of the tendon. You can have loss of normal collagen architecture, increased proteoglycans, decreased tissue organization. Whereas tendonitis just implies inflammatory activity. So that's like the you know night of day after when I hurt myself playing ultimate frisbee. Um, now, without proper recovery of this or failed healing, That can often result in an increased cross-sectional area, reduced tendon stiffness, altered viscoelastic properties. And the thing about tendons in the body is they're all similar. I mean, a tendon is a tendon, and yet they're different. So the pathological process is similar, but some of these tendons, it, it just depends on their function, location, and tendinopathies in these different regions, a lot of times you'll see them in in different ages of onset or in different genders more so than others. And when you're looking at research at one tendon, it's not like you can say, oh, the Achilles tendon is going to react similarly to the patellar tendon. It's not the same thing. They take on different load. They have different functions. So that just makes it a little bit harder to understand. But when we're talking about Tendinopathy, we're talking about tendon pain, where the tendon is unhappy with the load. Tendon pathology means they're having abnormal imaging or histopathology doesn't necessarily mean that they're having pain. And the thing about tendons is they can take quite a bit of time to heal. 
So if you think about average healing time, granted, this depends on obviously other things like age, comorbidities, but like bone, a fracture is going to heal around 12 weeks or so, muscle eight to 12 weeks. Tendon can be like over six months to a year. That's a big difference in time, right? Also very important to educate your patients on so you allow them to have a realistic expectation of the timeline of recovery. So who do we see this in? Well, a lot of times you'll see this if you're seeing it in athletes and running or jumping athletes, you'll see this a lot in like a general practice setting, like not sport related at all. It could be like 65% non-athletes. So obviously it depends on where you are and there can be a big variety in ages and gender in Achilles tendinopathy. So like I said before, the recovery process can take a year or more and it's pretty common for a re-injury to happen. And guess what? There's different regions of the Achilles tendon that you can have this in. Okay, so we're covering three, insertional, mid-portion, and proximal muscular tendinous. So you're going to see the biggest occurrence, 55 to 65% is mid-portion. Next is insertional, so 20 to 25%, even less, like 9 to 25% at the proximal muscular tendinous junction. Something unique about insertional is they might have an enlargement of the retrocalcaneal bursa, intratendinous calcifications, and bone defects. All right, so we're looking at athletes, maybe not athletes, takes a while for it to cover. There's different portions of the Achilles that are aggravated. Why does this happen? A lot of times when the tendon is aggravated, it's because we are loading the tendon beyond what its loading capacity is. And it's going to let you know that it's really not happy with that. So in athletes, you might see this with like a sudden change or an increase in training intensity or duration um, or like excessive loading with inadequate recovery time. So important to ask about in your history. In someone who's not an athlete, hey, maybe they just had an increase in work or their daily activity. Um, if it's insertional, uh, they, they might be having compression forces from like what shoes they're wearing, or they might be doing activities that put the ankle in a lot of dorsiflexion, like or I'm trying to lose weight, it's New Year's, and I started doing a bunch of uphill running. Or maybe they have like a Haglund deformity. But what are some things that we also want to consider to help us narrow in on if it's a tendinopathy? Well, for one, have they had a recent increase in body weight that is in its own way increasing the load on the tendon, right? Or there's been a link to a family history of this. Do they have diabetes or high cholesterol? Have they taken a recent bout of antibiotics? Or do they have seronegative anthropathies or a systemic disease of some sort? Now, a big sign for tendon pain is, is the tendon pain pinpoint? And is it on the tendon or is it diffuse and just around it? Keep in mind, palpation is really not the best outcome measure, but if it's pretty diffuse and it's not even on it, that's a pretty good sign that it's not. So in the Achilles, you do need to rule out like, hey, are they having posterior ankle impingement? Or accessory soleus, os trigonum syndrome, is it there's some sural nerve irritation, that kind of thing. Make sure that you remember what your anatomy is so that you're not just zeroing in on, oh, well, the Achilles is right there. Let's just jump to that. Okay, so that's something that helps you rule out other things. But also, big thing is, 
is their pain increasing with increasing load? So maybe that patient, you have them do a calf raise, eh, doesn't really feel very, really great. And then you're like, well, let's increase the load. All right, double leg hop. Mm, that's a little bit more painful. Single leg hop, even more painful. All right, let's see how high you can jump. So a single leg hop for height or for power, even more painful. So if it's increasing with load, that's a good indication that we are loading a tendon and it's not happy with it. Some other things that you can take into account, of course, are, hey, has it been going on for a while? Maybe they have some atrophy. What's their plantar flexion strength like or their hip motor control? What's their range of motion? Are there any limitations with that? Um, make sure that you are taking a look at the person as a whole and also being able to assess them for what they're wanting to get back to doing. So let's say we've got this patient in front of us. We're pretty sure it's Achilles tendinopathy. What do we do now? So here's the big thing. And a lot of people are told incorrectly to just rest. But with rest, the tendon's loading capacity is just going to decrease. We need it to increase for the level of activity that we want to do. So you never rest a tendon, but you may have to do some load management. Another thing to keep in mind is that that patient, maybe they've had some imaging, but with our treatment, we are not creating structural change. We are creating improvement in pain and function. Structural change in imaging is not a really good indication for prognosis or recovery. So don't be tempted. to. Okay, so for treatment, here's some big ideas before we get into like the nitpicky. For one, never rest a tendon. If you rest the tendon, it's going to decrease its loading capacity. And that is the exact opposite of the trend that we actually want them to go for. And so to increase the loading capacity, you have to load it. You just might have to manage the amount of load that's happening. Okay. So that's number one. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that imaging does not reflect function. So the improvements that they have in pain and function are not linked to structural changes. So don't use that as criteria for progression. Another thing is as you're taking them through these stages, you are using a 24-hour principle. So in order to progress, you need to monitor how it feels the day after loading. And if it's happy or stable the day after loading, then it's typically okay to keep on loading. So stage one is going to be isometrics. And if you haven't read Jill Cook's work. She has a lot of great work on tendinopathies in general. And I got the opportunity to listen to one of her lectures and she's a fantastic lecturer too. One of my favorites I went to, she speaks on using isometrics for sets of 45 seconds or at least up to 45 seconds with one to two minutes of rest in between. And this should half their pain or else if it's increasing their pain, you should probably look at another diagnosis. Okay. So you're managing their training loads. You take them through isometrics. This should take like one to two weeks, not six months. If they are six months into isometrics, this is a problem. Those isometrics need to be heavy. So a lot of times we're using body weight. We're trying to do single leg. It's hard, but we're decreasing the pain. Okay. And then after this, when their morning pain becomes stable, this, we're moving on to the isotonic stage and we are working on heavy load for muscle capacity. Because in order to be able to, to load tendon capacity, you need to be able to have underlying muscle capacity. So this is building up a foundation 
to start working us towards plyometric return to sport, that kind of stuff. You also need to do this in the other leg too. Once they can handle like one to one and a half times their body weight, then they're moving on to energy storage. So maybe they're increasing their speed with loading into these, but they're not springing out of it. And then the last stage is energy storage and release, which is when now we're adding spring, plyometrics, that kind of stuff. They're still using isotonics throughout these last two stages to maintain their strength and getting the other leg strong too. But the main focus is on starting to work towards spring. And in these phases, we're not really adding load. We are, let's get them to handle their body weight first. Okay, so this is a very brief bird's eye view on Achilles tendinopathy. Obviously, there's so much research that goes into this. And for me to dive into it, we'll just take another snack in a future episode, especially with other tendons elsewhere. But you should at least understand what can cause a tendinopathy and things that we look for and how to fix it just from a bird's eye view. So if you have any questions at all, you know where to find me. It's ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or just find me on Instagram at ptsnackspodcast. And if you have not already, go ahead and hit follow, write a review on Apple Podcasts, really helps me out. But if you want to support the show other than writing a review or hitting follow, tell a friend, someone that you think would benefit from it. And then also, if you want to support monetarily, I have a link for buy me a coffee below. And that just helps me to be able to cover my overhead so I can continue to do this podcast. Anyways, you guys take care. Stay tuned for future episodes on this subject and until next time.